In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia. Have you ever wanted to be a guest on These Are Their Stories? Tell us your favorite detective team. Spot the Hey, It's That Guy. Enter the These Are Your Stories contest. One lucky listener will be chosen to join us and review a show from TV's most enduring crime franchise. And talk about the real-life story that inspired the show. Go now to lawandorderpodcast.com. Fill out the questionnaire and tell us why you should be our very special guest star. You have a Raphael Barba tattoo? Do you write Van Buren fan fiction? Did Ice-T cut you in line at Whole Foods? We'll pick an extra special episode just for you. Enter now for your chance to be part of our elite squad see our website for details no purchase necessary we don't actually sell shit sign up now for the these are your stories contest and if you tell us you love amaro you're dead to us for exclusive podcasts and more sign up at patreon.com slash partners in crime media this week's law and order marathon winner is jama mustin of fort wayne indiana jama will get a marathon decal showing she watched 26.2 hours of her favorite crime show to be next week's winner sign up at law and order podcast.com i'm kevin flynn with rebecca lavoie and janet varney and these are their stories you think you know who did it but you don't know who did it law and order Welcome to These Are Their Stories, the podcast about Network TV's most enduring crime franchise and the real-life cases that inspired their shows. I'm Kevin Flynn. Each podcast will break down an episode from either Criminal Intent, SVU, or Original Recipe. And today we're looking at Special Victims Unit, Season 18, Episode 2, Making a Rapist. You've buried an innocent man, but... That's no big deal because he's a criminal. And like I said before, I did my job right then and now. By doing your job right, do you mean framing Sean Roberts again? Objection! Joining me to do just that is true crime author and the host of Crime Writers On and Netflix's You Can't Make This Up podcasts, Rebecca Lavoie. Hello, Rebecca. Thank you for having me back in the closet, Kevin. I appreciate it. Back in the, you mean, you mean the studio? The literal closet. Okay. You know, some people <laughs> might think uh, something else here. Don't want to force you back in. Uh, rounding out our panel is our very special guest from the JV Club podcast. It's comedian, actress, and Emmy nominee, Janet Varney. Hello, Janet. Hello, Kevin and Rebecca. Thank you so much for having me. I am an expert on Law & Order. All <laughs> things Law & Order. <laughs> Janet is our, our very good friend, and we've been dying to have her on. It's such a stretch to say she's our very good friend. She's our aspirationally yeah, very that's good right. friend. Like, I mean, we wish she was our very good it's friend. It's like our Joe Biden good friend. You know? <laughs> I'm very comfortable with it. I'm very, I'm very comfortable with our very good friendship. Don't worry. We met once, and we've basically been glomming on to her ever since. <laughs> well, that's showbiz, babe. 
Yeah. Uh, no, no. Jenny, you've been in all. a lot of great shows. Uh, You're the Worst. That's the name of the show, Rebecca, by the way. Uh, stand versus <laughs> Evil. Stand against Evil, excuse me. Everybody um, does it. No problem. <laughs> but your biggest hit is probably as the voice of Korra in the animated fantasy series, The Legend of Korra. Did you have any idea getting into it as far as like fans being obsessed or resenting that the characters from the original Airbender aren't in the series. And oh my God, by the way, she had like a Serena Sutherland kind of exit there where, <laughs> oh no, is Cora this cartoon character? Is she queer? And like all the nuttiness, did you know that was going to happen? No, I, I, yeah, I didn't. I, um, I found out, I mean, the casting director at Nickelodeon took me aside, I think one of the first days that we recorded the first season and said, um, like she she really took a moment to like pull me aside and put I think she put her hands on my shoulders and was like, <laughs> "Are you ready for your life to change?" Wow! And I was like, "I've I've heard that a few times and I've only lived here a few years and it never changes, Sarah. It never changes." Imagine if you'd been the mother on How I Met Your Mother. That would have been amazing because you know Janet was yeah, on How I Met that's Your Mother. Right, yes. She was one of the many girlfriends who was not the mother. I was. I definitely was not the mother. 100% was not the mother. Uh, yeah, but then then she was right. Then it did. Then it did. Then drastically things did kind of change. But Yeah, when we met you in Nashville, Taylor Quimby, who does the theme music to the show, met you and totally geeked the fuck out. Yes. And it was, I was embarrassed for him. I'm sorry, Janet. I just... <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I wasn't Except that you know that I'm such a true crime podcast fan, very specific, I say I should say podcasts that I think are of quality, and uh, there are many that I don't think are, are of quality, but I'm such a huge fan of the ones that I love, and so the fact that there was anything that made me cool to your whole gang was <laughs> uh, very, very exciting. I've I've been exploiting that ever since. Rebecca, did you know also part of the, the voice cast for Legend of Korra was the great J.K. Simmons? You're kidding. Yeah. And who is he in Law & Order? Uh, he's uh, Skoda. <laughs> Very good, Kevin. Anytime I can drop the clip. Let's <laughs> do that. Janet, of all the Law & Order franchises, which two cops are your favorite detective team? Favorite Law & Order detective team. If I could name the character names of any of the cops, I promise you I would just pick those. Um, <laughs> if you just want to rattle off some actors who have appeared in some SVUs, listen, I love Chris Maloney as a, yes. a like as a as an actor and a, mm -hmm. he's he's a really fun guy um in real life. That's the most I have to offer. What I've what I've realized is I'm what I can offer you for this episode is I can try to drop as many names of people I've met or know or have worked with as possible as some sort of recompense for not being able to reference the show really at all in any other way. You thought you were going to get uh, hate on Twitter for Cora. You're totally going to get hate from the Law no. & Order stands. She won't. She won't? Only if <laughs> it won't be as bad as if we were doing a criminal intent and D'Onofrio happened to get wind of the fact that we had someone on who oh, never right. seen the show. He'd be very upset about oh, it. He's tweeted about our podcast. He does not like it. Maloney, oh, however, no. has been very kind to us on Twitter. He's super funny. He's part of like the comedy world. No one, everyone has a sense of humor about themselves and their work. I think. I'm sorry to hear that about Vinny. Don't know him. Uh, seems very serious. <laughs> I feel like he's a method actor. I've he's heard. Method, right? I Is think, that yeah. okay? Yeah. yeah. And the Dehive will come. <laughs> yeah. <It'll> come. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Dehive. All right. Now let's take a look at the first half of this episode. SVU season 18, episode two: Making a Rapist. 
Well, we start on the most sparsely attended press conference by a head of state ever. <laughs> Vice President Joe Biden is praising the work of police to clear the backlog of untested rape kits. It's helping them send uncaptured rapists to jail and, whoops, letting out the ones they fucked up on. Uh, looking on is the exonerated Sean Roberts and his mistaken accuser, Melanie Harper, with her daughter, Ashley. All is forgiven. They're going out for his birthday. And so ends another four-minute episode of Law & Order SVU. <laughs> but wait. Later that night, Ashley is found raped, stabbed, and burned in her home. And Melody thinks she heard Sean's voice. So what do we have? Uh, well, there's no sign of forced entry. So Ashley probably did know her attacker. And there's a kitchen knife that's missing. CSU's running the scene. Whoever did this, they used bleach on her. They burned her. Got rid of all DNA. Who else was in her life? She just got engaged, right? We're right? tracking down her fiancé. We're going through her texts. We're going through her social okay, media. So run down every single... Angle. Well, they approach Sean after Ashley dies, and since Finn already put him away for rape once before, he's surprisingly uncooperative. Hmm. His friend Jeff says things got awkward over dinner. Ashley got into a text fight with her fiancé, and Sean had too much to drink. Rollins discovers Ashley also had a stalker named Charlie, who liked to take pictures of her from the building across the street. On that roof, they find the bloody knife. But fortunately, Charlie made a sex tape, which clears him of suspicion. <laughs> uh, but not of creephood. Uh, Charlie says that he saw a man leave the Harper's home and dump a knife in the garbage. But he's fuzzy on the time and the ID. Clearly wanting to please Rollins, he agrees that it was Sean. So, good enough for a warrant for Sean's apartment. That's where Finn finds Ashley's engagement ring in the sink, and they charge him with murder. Okay, so this begins <sighs> with Joe Biden having a press conference in their shitty little squad room. Yes. By the way, congratulations today on your inauguration, Mr. President. <laughs> uh, the I, second greatest feat of his career after being yeah. a <laughs> I mean, it's, 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 it's 2016. It's a long campaign. It was just oh like, my. I'm kicking it off right here. Uh, but he does two very Joe Biden things. One... He invokes the unassailable wisdom of a dead relative. Mm. My dad used to have an expression. He said the greatest sin any person can commit is the abuse of power. And the greatest abuse of power was rape. And two, uh, he calls the person who he met three minutes ago his good friend. <laughs> I'm proud to say today we did not fail. Thanks to the dedicated efforts of law enforcement, the whole legal system, the victims advocacy groups, and particularly my friend here. Lieutenant Olivia Benson of SVU. Congratulations. Lieutenant. Uh -huh. that, so yours was a pre-callback callback. Like you yes. called back to a thing we hadn't yet spoken of. This is like time travel. I'm impressed. It's an amateur hour, Varney. <laughs> I don't know. I live in a fantasy world where Joe Biden and Olivia Benson are actually good friends. That's the world oh, okay. I choose to live in. Like she just calls him up and is like, Hello, Joe. They're texting each other. Yeah, it's like, like you want to go get some ice cream. Exactly, a little Leslie Nope action. And then she, <laughs> then he sniffs her hair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just, I don't want to undersell the, my reaction to the first giant face you see in this episode. Again, not having a sense of what to expect, I was like. I, I, I gasped. I was like, what? Ah! Like, am I watching the right thing? What's happening? It, it, I couldn't. 
I mean, I know politicians make appearances on stuff, but somehow like the cognitive dissonance of and then, of course, I was like, oh, okay, this makes sense. Like the timing of this, of course, this episode makes sense. But I had to have like a real reckoning with myself. Like, Hmm. is he Mm. often on this show? Like what's (laughs) happened? When was it? I had to go back. When was this filmed? Was he still the VP? Was he not the VP anymore? (laughs) Like, where does this fall in his vice presidency is not something you usually have to think about when you're watching an actor on Law and Order, right? To be mm. like, hmm, when did this fall in his vice presidency of the United States of America? So Ashley says that she's inviting Sean to her wedding. We're looking forward to the next chapter. And my mother and I want to make amends of Sean in our lives. I'm getting married next month. I've invited Sean to the wedding. And I'm like, boundaries, girl. Yeah. Yeah. Who, uh, whose table do you sit someone like that at? <laughs> Well, yeah, I'm sure. I mean, obviously, we're going to get into like the the case because I know you do that later in the show. But there's just a lot to be said about the way in which they pull from a thing from the riff, you know, riff from the headlines, other documentary, and then the way you can't escape. I mean, the fact that the name of the of the title, like the title of the the episode, is so specific, you mm. can only assume like, okay, I guess I already know what this is referencing. It's a little lazy, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but then, like the sort of the sort of like upper middle classification of that story that Mm -hmm. then also includes them going out to like a posh dinner and this guy is you know going to go to this girl's wedding it starts to feel really like wait is this like this other thing oh god this is really weird because that didn't happen in making a murder okay no, no, it, no, it did not. And you are not wrong that they tend to gentrify pretty much every rip from the headlines thing on the show. I mean, yeah. I think it really comes down to viewers like me who prefer to see nice apartments on TV. Oh. That's what I always just assume. I know that sounds awful, but oh, it's very no. aspirational, you know. Opposed to a Manhattan junkyard. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. There's a lot of that on the original recipe, Law and Order. Yeah. Did you notice that when Ashley died, the doctor came over and just did a little, mm-mm. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he didn't even say anything. We all we all know. <laughs> yeah. She might have been like, she might have left thinking like, she's okay. She We don't yes. know how she interprets various spatial expressions. It wasn't even like a big head shake. It was just a little, oh, yeah. you know. Um, I, I, I don't want to interrupt you guys. You're talking. Right, but right. I'm just going to get. <clears throat> I know, feel rude. Your daughter's dead. I do feel very <laughs> rude about that, though. I have a question. Just wait. I have a logistical question. Yeah. Okay. So she says she thought she heard his voice. Right? John's voice at, in the home. Yeah. And yet we hear at the crime scene, and of course we're not minimizing this, but it is a fake crime on a fake show, right? So yeah. all of these things happened to this poor girl. She was burned. The girl was raped, strangled, stabbed, doused in bleach, burned. Oh, dude. All she heard was his voice. Like, like there were no other sounds. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. This house. The list of things that you find, I mean, that felt like parody to me, again, because <laughs> not I didn't know what to expect. But the fact that they, and it, it's such a drastic, quick cut from, okay, yeah, now how do you feel about it, Ice-T? I guess you're the one who put him away, which for some reason I didn't get until she was asking him about his feelings about all this. And then they just immediately cut to the girl you just saw talking about her wedding has been raped, strangled, stabbed, doused in bleach and burned. And so then yep. I started playing the game of like, what else? Like, and then what else? So then I was like, and then vacuumed, bagged, zested, spiced, blended, poured and flushed. Like, that's grim. She's that's like a blue grim. apron recipe for murder. That's right. That's exactly right. Add salt and pepper to taste. Uh, the perpetrator must have like an armful of things. He's like, I got to put the matches down because I got a big thing of bleach. I know. Yeah. He like stopped at the bodega on the way to the house to pick up the supplies. Oh, that was grim. 
Very grim. <laughs> well, we do find out that Sean is suing Finn and the city for $30 million. Hmm. And he and Rollins knock on his door. You want to talk to me? You don't think that I... Do I need a lawyer? Why would you need a lawyer? Anytime you talk to the cops, you need a lawyer. That's what you taught me. And he's like, well, last time I talked to you, you sent me away for a crime I didn't commit. So what I really need is a better lawyer. Hmm. I will never diss anyone on this show for asking for a lawyer. I, no oh, way. I mean, no way. that's what you should do, even if you did murder someone. Do that. Always. Yeah. That's that's definitely a a, a, a listening to crime podcast 101 that um, <laughs> has become very clear to me. It got, became very clear very quickly. I don't want to gloss over... The one of my favorite lines in the episode, which is Ice T saying, "This guy's got thirty million reasons not to leave town." Because mm. I now know that one dollar equals one reason. So, like that's that's not a very expensive reason. You know what I mean? If you the think price, like your reason to stay in town is one dollar, like he has one reason to stay in town, a dollar. Like that doesn't really. But I get that's for dramatic effect. But I enjoy it. I feel like okay, I now I know the math on that. All right, let's look at our cast. Hmm. Uh, who is playing Vice President Joe Biden? <laughs> Any guesses? Fred Thompson. Yes. <laughs> well, that would be future President Joseph R. Biden. When the victim isn't believed, when she goes through the invasive process of having a rape kit put together and then is stuck on a shelf somewhere, and then the rape kit is never, ever tested, we fail. We fail her. We fail so many women. One law and order appearance. Hmm. Two Parks and Rec appearances. Mm. Uh, he made his television acting debut in 1992 on Where in the World is Carmen Sandiego? Shut it. Oh, yeah. wow. Huh. Okay, we do have a Hey, It's That Guy. No. Hey, it's that guy. Can you give me the name of the actor playing exonerated rapist Sean Roberts? I want to thank everyone who tested the kids. Uh, I've only been out of prison for a month, but it already feels like a second chance at life. I bear no ill will towards Melanie Harper. She's as much a victim as I am in this. Rebecca, I know you want this one. Penis breath. No, I'm oh. just kidding. It's penis breath is brother. Right. Uh, of course, Henry Thomas, who was in the very, very famous movie, All the Pretty Horses, that came out in the year 2000. <laughs> oh, my God. Janet, help me out here. Who's, Harry, who's so, Henry Thomas? So Henry Thomas was uh, the very famous Elliot in the very, very famous E.T., I am happy to say that I do know Henry and we did a little we did a pilot together that he produced that he then turned into a little web series. So you wow. can watch us in a thing together. It's called Grip and Electric. Hey, uh, do you guys need a water? Thank you, young miss. Got it. That's as thoughtful as a muffin. Um, oh, I'm sorry. Did you want did you want a muffin? <laughs> That's funny. She's funny. And I'm sure it's wow. out there somewhere. Um, but that was does one he age? of his. Uh, <laughs> has he, does he age? Yeah. No, he doesn't. I mean, this was like eight years, years ago. Yeah. This was made 36 years after E.T. And like, yeah. he's instantly recognizable yeah. as a utterly, kid from E.T. Utterly yeah. recognizable. Uh, wonderful guy. Uh, little tidbit, again, for the haters who are going to cancel me because I don't know <laughs> Law and Order. Imagine that you've never seen an episode and it starts with just those people on screen. This is what I said. Oh, Henry's on this show. Oh, God, that's great. I'm sure the money's fabulous. And then within moments, I was like, oh, he's a guest star. Oh, oh yeah. Well, do you know what his salary was for E.T.? I don't. It was $15,000. Shut your face. Even for E.T., that just seems like 
like small potato yeah. for a, a major motion picture. You have Certainly. to assume yeah. there was some, there had to have been like a renegotiation of something at some point. Licensing what? or I don't something. know, Janet. Did he ever pick up the tab at lunch? Did he have a nice car? Uh, that's a great <laughs> question. Y- you know what? Yeah, I can't tell. I can't <laughs> yeah. tell. I have no sense. I've I've had the opportunity to go to his house. I did not take it because I was out of town for like a rap party thing. Um, he's also in a band uh, with mm. the person that he co-created Grip and Electric with, my friend Andrew Berlinson. So he's a musician uh, and a very cool guy. Cannot speak to the ET money. Cannot mm. speak to the ET money. Don't know. We'll s- assume he spent it. How's that? Uh, <laughs> can anyone name the actress playing uh, victim Melanie Harper or the mother of the victim in this crime? What I did to Sean was unforgivable. I told the jury he did it. I pointed at him and I said, that's the man who raped me. One of the only law procedurals that I did watch uh, with gusto was The Practice. I mm. loved that show uh, when it was on. And uh, Kelly Williams uh, was on that. Again, also thought you must be a series regular. <laughs> for even for even better reason. For even, you must agree, for even better reason. I was like, oh, she moved over to this, law, like, like this legal show. That makes sense. Nope. <laughs> nope, Janet. No, no, no. She's also a guest star. Yes, she could have done it. I mean, she has had three Law & Order appearances, one in each of the franchises. She became famous for her role as Lindsay Dole in The Practice and more recently starred in Army Wives and Lied to Me. Her ex-sister-in-law is Zalika Robinson, who was Carisi's boss, Vanessa Hadid, really? last season. That's so, random. Yeah, yeah it's pretty random. <laughs> uh, she grew up in Beverly Hills, so of course she was discovered in a high school production of Romeo and Juliet. Oh, my God. For fuck's yeah. sake. She's a good actor, though. Yeah. Well, by the way, Romeo, yeah. in that production, was yeah. Steve Burton, who is... Oh, Jason Quartermain from General Hospital. I know you <laughs> really? would, you'd nerd out on that. <laughs> yes. But Janet, how lazy are these talent scouts that they just go to like the local high school and go, yeah. That they're like, wait a minute, your name Kelly is spelled with an I at the end? You're going to be a famous star <laughs> from Beverly Hills. It se- that seems very like Beverly Hills, Kelly with an I yeah. somehow. How about these talent scouts who are just like, you come back to work, it's like, oh, it's Larry. Oh, another 16-year-old girl? Great. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, I mean, it, there's a couple of things. One is it's likely that her parents knew somebody in the business, right? Yeah, agreed. Her, her mom was a, a, a an actress. Yeah, I think the dad was an attorney, but he was like yeah. a, like an yeah. entertainment. Yeah, lawyer. they're living in Beverly Hills. Right. Yeah, yeah right. that's a killer combo right there. Like, yeah. hey, I'm this is nepotism plus uh, don't mess with a, a entertainment lawyer. Yeah, I'm just concerned that like Steve Burton got the lead role in that play because I'll tell you, he's been acting for a long time now. He is not great. Kelly, however, is fantastic. She is fantastic. He only has one note, and that is standing there looking stony. Yeah. (laughs) So growing up, her neighbors were Jerry Lewis, Johnny Carson, (laughs) Kenny Rogers, and Sonny and Cher. Oh, for fuck's sake. I can't believe she made it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Anyone recognize the actress playing Charlie's girlfriend, Siobhan? He was with me all night. No, I did not. That's Askiri Velasquez. Uh, she is the lead character, Daisy, on the reboot of Saved by the Bell. Which is in my DVR, oh. and I have not watched it because I'm saving it. Played and recognized her. I'm she's, saving it. She's the one who goes, time out. She's the new, whatever it is. She's the new Screech? No, she's no. Zach? Zach, yeah, yes. she's the new Zach. What yes. if her hands are insured for a million dollars because she has to be able to time out? <laughs> oh. 
We can hope. Lastly, who is the woman playing the neighbor who said Charlie was on the roof? I don't know. I don't I did, know do I have to play the clip? Yeah. All please. Right, Check the roof. <laughs> nothing, nothing doesn't help it's very helpful uh, that's Sarah Malone Sarah is a breast cancer survivor who thought she was in New York on a girl's trip and accidentally walked onto the set of her favorite show <gasps> what? 20 weeks of chemo she binged SVU the Today Show surprised her <sighs> arranged for her to get the part meet the stars her own trailer everything Whoa. I remember that actually on the Today Show remember that package I do yeah, yeah. it was like that's Hoda fantastic. it was like on the set yeah she got to meet everybody. Yep. I did not have the SVU walk-on kind of cancer. I had more of the accidentally step in front of Janet's key light <laughs> on Fortune Rookie kind of cancer. <laughs> <laughs> get out of the way, Flynn. Just get out of the way. <laughs> All right. How about uh, Charlie's rooftop sex pad? <laughs> oh, my Lord. How uncomfortable. Yeah, you got weed, pills, hand lotion, Coney Island whitefish. On the way, you Charlie? Show. Greasy says that, that he found Coney Island whitefish. That's Any, right. Anybody know what that is? Of course I do. What is it? It's a used condom. Uh-huh. That is a expression. <laughs> oh, that's Yorkers. what that means? <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh. oh Janet Vardy's covering her mouth yeah, right now in that disgust. Because they, they would fly, like, I mean, the ocean, people would like have sex in the beach and they- It would just float oh. in? Well, yeah. I mean, that's why, I'm sure that's how it's got its name. I don't know. People would just find them on the beach. Yeah, yeah. you just seem to know too much about that. <laughs> I, um, you know what? It's actually very valuable that you said that because I wouldn't put it past my life to be like sitting somewhere and have the waiter be like, may I recommend the Coney Island whitefish? And I would be like, that sounds great. Please bring it immediately to my table. <laughs> it's like a bagel topping. And the white wine, of course. <laughs> 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 My favorite line of his from the episode. Now, was it before or after you and Siobhan had sex? Before, maybe. Uh, I need you to be sure. You sure? After. It was okay. after. I'm not good with times, okay. befores, and afters okay. like that. You know I'm not very good with times, befores, and afters. I just thought <laughs> was like an amazing, weirdo line. I'm not very good with befores and afters, guys. I'm just not good with them. You know, befores and afters. I'm good at durings. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I have so many questions for Siobhan. I really do. About I, what yeah. she sees in this How stage. did you meet? Yes! Why are you having sex with him? Oh. What is the matter with you? Because she seems fine. She like yeah. was like, oh, we have an alibi. Boom. She, she yeah. seems fine. You're Her right. Really she's, good. she's very sharp. <laughs> He's just like, uh, I mean, maybe she's just, you know, just wants a little piece on the roof. I don't know. So after Benson checks out Charlie's alibi, uh, she pulls Carisi and Rollins out of that interrogation. They were like, Lieutenant, he was just about to confess. Great. Except he didn't do it. He was just about to confess. Hmm. Jesus Christ, have you guys learned nothing? No, they've learned nothing. <laughs> this guy was about to confess to a crime he didn't commit. They've literally learned nothing. Yeah. They've learned nothing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Joe Biden would have been very disappointed to see that happen. <laughs> he could be like the angel that appears on someone's shoulder. Like, what would Joe Biden do? Don't do it. Don't. Why, why is he a ghost? Why is he from A Christmas Carol? Never mind. <laughs> we are once again visited by 
expert computer hacker Amanda Rollins in this episode, which I always appreciate uh-huh. when they like highlight her tech skills. She knows how to turn on a PowerPoint and she knows how to find a hidden DM. Ashley got a private DM from a guy named Charlie Dobkins. She told him to stop looking in her window and being creepy. You go, Amanda. Yeah. <laughs> Am I crazy or is using a serrated knife kind of an unusual murder weapon? That really stuck out to That's me. It's like a bread knife. <laughs> so it's like we literally used to cut a bagel. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> That was weird. Like, oh, okay. All your choices, you pick something that has like little tiny, tiny teeth on it that you really have to use as a saw instead of just like a stab. Weird the choice. The bleach wasn't enough. It's yeah. like I have to. Yeah. I have to. Car. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Well, like the bagel, you could start on one side and go slide all the way. Yeah, yeah. All the way around. That's right. That's right. That's dark, man. It's dark. Yep. Janet Varney. <laughs> <laughs> they get to Sean's apartment and they're there for about 60 seconds. And Finn comes out with this ring that he found in the sink. Got something. Looks like Ashley's diamond ring. Found it in the sink, drink. First off, on the checklist, is that the first thing you do is you go and look in the sink? It's like a pencil. For evidence in a murder? Yeah. Hmm. And he pulled it out with a pencil, which, by the way, is a straight thing. <laughs> and there's a little circular. In a fast-paced world... Every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia. You know, ring. And Janet, are you getting what I'm getting at? Like, I'm picking like, up what you're laying down. And also, who uses a pencil? I just don't feel like that's something people carry around with them anymore. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's suspect. Listen, I get why there's suspicion around him finding the ring, everybody. It reminds me of a certain set of keys yes. behind a someone's <laughs> side table in a yes. certain something This may have been slightly loosely, very loosely based on. Yes. Set of spare keys to boot. Yeah. <laughs> Round key, straight pencil. I mean, I spent two hours trying to pull a hairball out, and I don't... <laughs> I know. I, floop. Which you probably could do with a pencil. Probably could do that with a pencil. <laughs> oh. All right, now let's take a look at the second half of this episode. Engagement ring in the sink, blood on his shoes, open and shut case, right? I'm sure there's a reasonable explanation. There is. Detective Tutuola. He's a defendant in Sean's civil suit. He's the one who found the ring, correct? A frame-up? Really? That's your defense? I I hope you're getting a discount because your attorney isn't even trying. Sean is not a murderer or a rapist. He's never even committed a crime. At trial, Barba puts an expert witness on the stand who says, well, if you were wrongly convicted, raped in prison, and then you get out, well, you're totally going to fucking kill somebody. Charlie confidently testifies that he saw Sean, but on cross, he admits he was just trying to make the pretty blonde detective happy. (laughs) In the gallery, Rollins turns to live, and she's like, bitch, do not even look at me right now. (laughs) Finn has to defend himself for wrongfully charging Sean of rape 16 years ago, to which he was like, Eh, honest mistake. Mm. Uh, with the trial and the balance, Barbara wants Melanie to testify. She refuses because she was wrong about Sean the last time. He compels her testimony, but she won't stand by her original statement that she heard Sean in the house. So Barbara says, well, Mrs. Harper, you sent Sean to prison. That's where he learned how to rape. And that's why he attacked Ashley. So basically you killed her herself. 
After succumbing to this sharp Vulcan logic, (laughs) Melanie says, yes, it was Sean that she heard before the attack. His prospects fading, Sean agrees to a 15-year plea deal. He says the night was going so well until Ashley laughed at him. So, bitch had it coming. Uh, This is the act that I call, it's nobody's fault, it's everybody's fault. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So we'll get to the victim blaming, but there's this subplot first about how Finn was the one who arrested him. Right. The DA put Sean away for 16 years, not me. I did my job. I did it right then. I did it right this time, too. And even in front of Joe Biden, he's like, hey, I'm just glad that they... Got it right. Right. Meaning, right. I don't give a shit that I got it wrong. Right. He literally says, I didn't put him in prison. I just arrested him. Yeah. <laughs> he says that. Yeah. yeah. So where, what did you do with him after you arrested him? Did you like let him sit in your car and have an ice cream? No, you probably put him in that stupid little cell and yeah. then he never went home again. Zero accountability. Zero <laughs> accountability. <laughs> yeah. So even later on, Finn says, hey, the jury convicted him. Right. It means truly, if wrongful convictions are an example of the system breaking down everywhere. Right. It shouldn't absolve everybody of their mistakes or their culpability in this act. Right. Everybody knows who's listened to True Crime Podcast and Colin Miller, that a jury is likely to believe someone is guilty if they have been arrested. Correct. Mm. So for him to say, like, there has to be some reason he was arrested, that is a way that juries think. So it's been shown. That's why people who don't get bail are more likely to get convicted because he wouldn't be in jail if he didn't do something wrong. Like, that's the thinking. So I call bullshit on that one, Finn. Bullshit. (laughs) Yeah, it's a really, really uh, good depiction of that horrible loop. Exactly what you're saying. Like, well, I did. I just arrested him. A jury convicted him. And then the prosecutor's like, well, I didn't arrest him or convict him. I just laid the facts down. And then the jury gets to be like, well, I, did, I didn't arrest him. He was taken to trial. Like, we just did what we felt like the prosecutor wanted us to do. And you're right. Everybody's hands are clean. Oh, well. It's obviously the victim's fault. Yes. Clearly. saying the wrong guy. Yes. Yeah, it's all her fault. So it comes out that Charlie, you know, probably did this to impress Rollins. Yes. And she's in the gallery uh, sitting next to Liv, and it looks like it's pretty uncomfortable. Yes, and then Liv yells at her in the office. I can't help it if the kid has a crush on me. Hold on, so you were aware that he had an affection for you, that he had a desire to make you happy? Saying, like, you let him like you, like you use that. And I'm thinking, in my mind... Of all of the times on this very show, we have seen Olivia Benson get cozy with a suspect (laughs) in the interrogation room, showing a little leg, pretending like she wants to have sex with them in order to get them to confess. So you are a hypocrite, Olivia Benson. You are a hypocrite. Yeah, her eyes rolled so far back in her head. (laughs) She's she's always doing this. Like she'll just say something as just a truth. And Mm -hmm. you're like, I've been watching the show for a long time. Like she always says, there's never been a rape suspect that's regretted testifying against their rapist. And I'm like, have you not watched your own show? It happens all the, <laughs> all the time. Why did you make me testify? I don't know. I can't believe I did that. It happens all the time. Oh, <laughs> those poor writers. They must just be like, we've written so many episodes. We can't be expected to remember what the characters have said and done in past episodes. It's just a lot. It's a lot. Don't they know there's the internet? Yeah. Because people, you know, the, the wiki community has yeah. got all that down. I have another question. Yeah. Every cop from the squad was in the courtroom. Do they not have other words? There's nothing else going on. There's they're nothing like, else going like, on. They're like, don't Joe Biden today, so I guess we have time. 
<laughs> I was wondering about that, but I was like, maybe this is what happens every episode. Again, I don't know. So maybe that's just <laughs> yes, normal. Like everyone's They're always, always there. all there. Great yeah. to know. Great to know. <laughs> uh, Barbara, as he's ought to do, brings in this expert to talk about how difficult it is for wrongfully accused people who are sexually assaulted to assimilate into society. So in your expert opinion, the man who'd been wrongfully imprisoned for 16 years was a victim of rape. What is the likelihood that someone like this would be able to live a normal, law-abiding life upon release? Unfortunately, it's almost impossible. So research says just cut out the middleman and leave him in jail? I don't know. All I know is he prepped that witness, but he didn't even meet Charlie before he got on the stand. I didn't even understand what was going on at all with Barbara's tactics during this trial, because that guy was prepared. Don't ask questions you don't know the answers to. That's another very key thing we've learned from true crime. Do not ask questions you don't know the answers to. Yeah, that's a sad moment because it really is like, here's a thing that we can talk about that is very broken about the criminal justice reform system. These horrible things that happen to people in prison. So you start to edge towards a kind of sympathy and then, nope, we're flipping it on you. And now we're saying like that happens. And also people then absolutely commit crimes that are even worse or whatever, like after they get out. So it's it, it's such a, an extra slap in the face. You're like, oh, so that is a terrible thing that we should feel bad for people. It happens to know we shouldn't because they're going to rape and kill someone as soon as they get out of prison. Like, oh, is right. it the wrongfully accused? Does it, does it happen is to there, everybody? Yes, no, it happens to the wrongfully convicted well, because they have extra trauma because of the cognitive dissonance from them knowing they didn't do it, but being punished for it. Did not, did you not listen to this? So they're <laughs> more likely. <laughs> yes. Yeah, no. I believe the studies show that for wrongfully accused people who are exonerated, that very few of them reoffend. With one notable exception. I believe that whoever wrote this episode maybe has a different take on making a whatever it is than we did. Making a rapist? Yeah. (laughs) There's the coup de grace, which is Barba has to browbeat the testimony of Melanie by arguing that she's holding back because. She's got blood on her hands. Hmm. Get to the point, Mr. Barber. The point is, if you had not made that false identification 16 years ago, he never would have gone to prison, which means he never would have killed Ashley. That's not true. That's not true. You don't want it to be true. Because in your mind, if he killed Ashley, you killed her. I think it's more Melanie's fault that she let this guy into her home and her family (laughs) after he's been in prison than it is her fault for falsely accusing him unknowingly many many years ago you know what i mean yeah i'm not saying it's, it's not her fault at all Finn obviously didn't invite him to it's the wedding obviously not her fault at all but i do think barbara picked the wrong thing <laughs> to sort of say <laughs> i mean i'm just saying he could have also said it's your fault why do your knives have to be so sharp in the kitchen <laughs> <laughs> why do you have so much bleach <laughs> oh god at his allocution, Sean says everything was cool until Ashley laughed at him. You can't let people laugh at you. 16 years, that's what I learned. Things happened to me in prison. Things I swore I'd never do to anyone else. I ended up doing to Ashley. I didn't want to do Have you heard? Sling TV offers the news you love for less. Hey, wait, you look and sound just like me. I am you. I'm the same news programs on Sling TV for less. You mean you're me, but for less money? A lot less. I'm all the favorite news programs and more on Sling TV, starting at just $40 a month. Everything great about me, but for less money? Which makes me greater, don't you think? Get the news you love and more for less. Start Start saving saving today. today. Visit Sling.com to see your offer. Sling. 
In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia. Good. So girl laughed at him. Ouch. <laughs> That's an oh E.T. joke. Ouch. I don't oh know about my. you, Janet. I, I both wanted to think and thought through this whole episode that it's going to turn out he didn't do it. I've seen this uh, before. Oh, absolutely. I forgot what happened. Yeah, absolutely. He does not play it that way at all. He definitely plays it like I didn't do it. They interview that boyfriend dude for four seconds and he's sus as hell. Uh, so I I just thought there was going to be some sort of twist and it wasn't going to be him. I absolutely agree. Yeah, but Janet knew him, which is why she, of course, she wouldn't believe he's... he's I don't think Henry guy. would be responsible for something so <laughs> heinous. He has all that E.T. Especially money. Heinous. Especially heinous. <laughs> all right, let's take a look at the real life story that inspired this episode. It's time for Rip from the Headlines. You think you know who did you it. You think you know but you don't know who did it. You don't know who did it. Rip from the headlines. This episode is inspired by the case of Stephen Avery. In 2003, DNA exonerated the Wisconsin man 18 years after his conviction of sexual assault. Avery sued the Manitowoc County Sheriff and other law enforcement officials for $36 million, accusing them of railroading him. As his civil suit proceeded in 2005, a photographer disappeared after visiting Avery's salvage yard. Teresa Holbach's vehicle was found on his property with his blood inside. Bone fragments identified as Holbach's were found in a burn pit by the home. Avery's young nephew, Brendan Dassey, told investigators he helped Avery kill the woman and dispose of her body. After his arrest for murder, Avery accused the cops of framing him to stifle his multi-million dollar lawsuit against them. His lawyers claimed blood samples from his rape case were used to plant DNA in the victim's car, and Dassey's videotaped confession was clearly coerced. In 2007, Avery was convicted of murder and given a life sentence. The 2016 documentary, Making a Murderer, cast a sympathetic light on Avery and jump-started public interest in a second exoneration. Stephen Avery continues to appeal his murder conviction, citing claims of police misconduct. So in the five years since making a murderer, have our opinions about Stephen Avery changed at all? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that was a great documentary to use as an example of, oh, yes, it's not hard facts. Documentarians often end up with a very specific point of view and a very specific story they want to tell. And, you know, there was a lot of uh, scuttlebutt afterwards uh, uh, from people who said, you know, there was a bunch of information that was left out, not unlike the staircase, um, which was kind of the the father slash mother documentary, I think, that kind of led to this one or may have inspired this one. Um, And uh, the main thing that I think everyone, well, 
most people I know uh, still agree on is that Brendan Dassey was, you know, railroaded and that that 100%. was a yeah. completely absurd process for him. But then when we turn and look at the Stephen Avery side of things, you know, people get kind of cringy and go like, well, it doesn't look great for him. But <laughs> yeah. Kathleen's and then the, and then when they did the, like the pickup episodes and Kathleen Zellner said like 50 different things that could have happened so quickly and in no particular order that I'm still not sure what the argument is against him. I'm having done it. I'm not totally clear, but that's also what she does. So yeah, yeah. I don't think he did it. I'm just you don't say. think he did it? Okay. I don't, I don't think he did it. I don't think he's. Um, I have a very mean reason for not thinking he did it. Okay. He's not smart not enough. unlike Charlie. So you say he's not episode, smart enough. He honestly, in every scene that in which he's like answering questions or talking, I think lacks the uh, reflexive smartness you have to have to be a good enough liar. And like make up this big thing. I really think so. I just think I think that whole family has lead poisoning from living in that junkyard. I really do. And I Could think, um, yeah, I just I that's why I don't think he did. Not, that sounds mean, but it's, it's the re- main reason why I don't think he did. I think he lacks the, you know, the brain power to brain lie power that. like a fox. <laughs> uh, one thing I found troubling about the documentary was the insinuation of wrongdoing by Teresa's ex-boyfriend, yeah, which they kind of left in there. They didn't do anything explicitly libelous, but there were they did put him in the frame just a little too long. I so agree. People started thinking, right? You mean because yeah. he deleted the voicemails on her phone, uh, which is weird. Yeah, just saying that's weird. Just gonna say that's weird, isn't it weird? There's a lot of things that are weird. <laughs> yeah, this case it is, is Wisconsin. The thing is, the yeah. thing about this case is both things can be true. He could be guilty and the police could have framed him. It happens all the time. Yes. Yeah, where yeah, cops yeah. think someone did it and they just make up shit to make yes. that conviction happen. Yeah. Yes. If he did it, those cops are bad. Like yes. we know that from all the things that they've done. And those like that, you know, prosec that uh, defense investigator guy, man, like these people are bad. So yeah. it could be true that he did it and they framed him. Both yeah. things can be true. It could be true that there's literally no protagonist in this story except Brendan Dassey. <laughs> yes, Brendan Dassey. Except yeah, Brendan Dassey. Oh, man. They should have made it about him. I mean, I, he really, he could have had his own thing. It is criminal what they did to that boy. Yeah. yeah well, I, that's why I think making a murderer too, the strongest stuff was the Brendan Dassey appeal yes. and how heartbreaking it was that that appeals court, and I think about this all the time, it seemed like the rationale by that panel of judges was well he confessed and he, he he was correct when he said where the evidence was yeah and to me that's sort of like not conceding that fact it says well only somebody who is innocent can have their constitutional rights violated yeah yeah but if you did it well it's okay you don't have any more rights yeah. um i just i was really troubled by yeah, it. it's yeah. Ter- it's terrifying because it's such a simplistic set of reasons that that's the kind of thing that you know i hear colin miller's voice in my head saying you're setting a precedent where people all over the united states can point to that and say yeah i mean if you confess to something you clearly did it you know yeah. like you know yeah. and and that's like well that, that's the whole point of false confessions that's the entire <laughs> that's right. point of the problem so it's it is scary avery's new attorney now is uh kathleen zellner uh, who toby ball calls a mixture of no nonsense and all nonsense i do not remember hearing him say that and you know i've heard every episode of your show so i don't know how i missed that that is gorgeous <laughs> uh, well, we should hear any day about her latest appeal. She wrote 
a 135 pages in her uh, her document saying the court abused its discretion hmm. by dismissing requests for additional scientific testing, denied his motion in relation to Brady disclosure violations, and ineffective counsel. So, I have to ask, would you want Ms. Elner to be your attorney uh, for with anything? The, with the Kraken defense that she was bringing to this thing? The Kraken defense? <laughs> like, I, um, well, she has got a lot of people out. Let's be real, right? Yeah. She's got a lot of success. Mm-hmm. I would want anybody who has had success getting people out. I that's I mean, I don't know if I want somebody who is going to be like recreate buying a car and recreating a murder scene to try to like show <laughs> the blood. I don't know if I want that. But anyone that could get me out, I would probably take. I, I, it's a great question. I agree with Rebecca. I think the hard thing to know is, is she really doing that stuff when a documentary crew is not focusing yeah. on what yeah. her work is? Um, she's representing Sandy Melgar, who's one of Bob Ruff's epi- uh, seasons, and a clearly, clearly innocent woman who is in prison for the murder of her husband. And I had the same knee-jerk response when I found out that she was representing Sandy. I thought... Maybe this is amazing and maybe this is terrible. Like, I'm just Mm. not sure. And it might be as simple as, and I agree with you, if somebody has a great track record, of course you would lean towards, please, please represent me. Um, Anytime I feel like the media is involved, there's that, uh, there's the opposing force of like, screw you, Kathleen Zillner. The media's got their eyes on this and I hate you for it. So Mm. you feel like there's a risk there um, because it seems like the more in the spotlight something is, the more cops and prosecutors double down. Like, you're not going to make us look stupid. We're not going to admit we did anything wrong. So it kind of could go either way. But ultimately, would I choose to have her? I guess. (laughs) I would choose to have her just so I could see her parade of excellent jackets walking into my lawyer meetings. Remember her, like, wardrobing and her nails? She had the whole, like, thing. It's going to be cameras, so... I do like I do like that she has a sort of a sort of Clint Eastwoodian like the just kind of grim smirk of like somebody mm. who's seen it all and been everywhere and like knows the system and knows the game. There is something very appealing about being that kind of person. I would take her as a divorce attorney. Uh-oh. 100%. 100%. 100%. Talk about a bloodbath. <laughs> hey, that's going to do it for us. We want to thank our very special guest, Janet Varney. Janet, where can our listeners follow you online? You can follow me on Twitter at Janet Varney uh, and on Instagram at The JV Club. And yeah, you can listen to my podcast, The JV Club, anywhere you find podcasts. I interview people about their awkward teenage years. Uh, Rebecca has done it. Kevin will do it. Surprise. I just dropped that on you. Oh, and, wow. Oh, you're going to be in the JV Club. <laughs> oh, Kevin's got some amazing teenage year stories. Oh, man. Uh, and Rebecca, where can our listeners follow you? On Twitter and Instagram, I'm at Reb Lavoie. And you can track me on Twitter at Kevin P. Flynn. You can also tweet to us at Law & Order Pod or follow us on Instagram at These Are Their Stories Podcast. Our newsreader was Cy Freighter. Our theme music was composed and performed by Uncanny Valleys. Line editing by Henry Lavoie. Content assistance from Travis Roy. Lily Flynn handles promotions. To get ad-free episodes of These Are Their Stories a week early, sign up for Stitcher Premium. All clips in this podcast were used in compliance with the U.S. Copyrights Act Fair Use Exemption for criticism and commentary. Special thanks to the elite squad of the Law & Order Wiki community for preserving the evidence. Go to lawandorderpodcast.com and sign up for our newsletter for a chance to be our next Law & Order Marathon winner. These Are Their Stories was recorded in the Yoga Loft above the Bodega and Bay St. Louis, Mississippi studio and is a production of Partners in Crime Media. 
In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia.